0: From WFUV, this is the podcast of Cityscape, exploring New York City's people and places with host George Bodarkey. Learn more about us and support this service at WFUV.org. Good morning and welcome to Cityscape. I'm George Bodarkey. Studies show that the numbers of Black and Latino students who graduate from high school prepared for college are alarmingly low and in some cases are reported to be under 10%. But some Harlem kids are trying to reverse the trend. They're on a bus tour to help their peers getting gear for college. The group is holding a forum in Cleveland, Ohio today, before continuing on to Tennessee. The students are members of the Harlem Educational Activities Fund. I visited the group's offices before the bus tour got underway.
1: My name is Merle McGee, and I'm the Vice President for Programs at the Harlem Educational Activities Fund.
2: Hi, my name is Dr. Danielle Mosley, and I'm the President of the Harlem Educational Activities Fund.
0: Why don't we start off with you, uh, Danielle. Tell us about this program.
2: The Harlem Educational Activities Fund is a 16-year-old college preparatory program serving young people in the Harlem, Washington Heights, and Bronx communities. And we identify those kids early on in middle school and really begin to work with them and their families to prepare academically, socially, and emotionally for college success.
0: Merle, how important is it to get them young?
1: We believe to get students young is an opportunity to watch their growth and development um, and certainly have a hand in that. Uh, growth and development. We believe that the younger they are, the more open they are to um, possibilities and the more likely they are to be exposed to things that they will want to pursue in the future.
0: Daniel, are some of these kids at risk that if you didn't get them They may fall by the wayside?
2: The Heath community is an interesting community because on the one hand, kids have to be on or above grade level to get into the program, but they come from the same neighborhoods as low-performing students, and so they're subject to the same social pressures um, in terms of premarital sex and drugs and all the other things that are facing other kids in the inner city. So um, I think that, you know, all kids who face, you know, Difficult socioeconomic circumstances are at risk, but these kids are kind of diamonds in the rough. There's something there that, if developed, can really blossom.
0: Is it also a hope that when the kids come here, they'll go back out into their communities and they'll talk to some of those underperforming kids and help to turn them around?
1: That is not only the hope, but it's a passion that is present in the current project that we're working on, which is our College Access Initiative, where young people have learned about the issues facing um, black and Latino students in particular for going to college and then have the opportunity to actually get out the message of how, you know, they can see college for themselves. So absolutely.
0: The kids in your program are clearly on a certain path. Mm -hmm. They're doing well in school and they will, I'm sure, go on to college. I'm sure you wouldn't have it any other way. But are they surprised to know that so many other kids, minority kids, are not getting into school when they learn the stats?
2: I think that they're completely blown away because a lot of our kids come here when they're 11 and 12. And after you've been here for a number of years, you kind of take for granted that these kinds of opportunities are out there for other students. So I think that when we have kids who have friends who may be in less rigorous programs, um, you know, we start doing college visits in sixth grade, um, getting them acclimated to a college campus, letting them understand that this is a real possibility for you, that you can do this for yourself in your life. So I think it's a transformative experience, but I definitely think the stats um, that they, they came across in doing this project really blew them away.
0: Why are those numbers still so low, do you think?
1: Well, I think, as Danielle pointed out, there are lots of economic and social barriers that influence a young person's perception of themselves and the larger community's perception of their ability to actually achieve. I mean, and then there are some basic realities of not having access, um, options, or um, the ability to engage in... Additional programming or sometimes not even the basic needs are being met um, through the public schools that they're attending. So I think there's a a host of issues that are really um, challenging young people
2: that are trying to go to college.
0: Now the Get on the Bus program obviously aims to change that, but in other cities too, not just New York
2: we are developing a philosophy we called learning for social impact so that you take what you learn and you really apply it not only to your local community but so that you can see the larger picture you have an opportunity to interact with young people in different communities living under different circumstances and kind of share what you've learned but i think that a lot of the kids that we're going to meet in philadelphia and cleveland who are black and Latino and, to a large extent, disenfranchised, are experience the, experiencing the same hurdles that our kids are experiencing.
0: And you clearly have some models for them to look at and talk to.
1: Absolutely. One of the things that we really, really value, uh, and through this service project, um, Get on the Bus, is an appreciation for understanding the legacy that you inherit as a young person um, living in this country, and that is a legacy of civil rights and a a struggle for equality. And so our young people had an opportunity to really um, invest their time and energy, and I might add, purely voluntarily, (laughs) um, in learning about that legacy and that history, and then to be able to look and say, in 2006 you know, what can I do to honor the memory of that legacy um, for the struggle for equality when I'm faced with, you know, the numbers, in a lot of cases, dismal um, reality of college attainment and life choices that they face. So,
0: Danielle, what are those numbers here in New York City as far as high school and then high school graduation rates and then those that go on to college in the minority community?
2: Um, I think the numbers that we have for the year 2000 tell us that about 54% of our high school students are actually graduating from high school. Nationally, only 35% of black students who go to college will graduate in four years, and that number is even lower for Latino students. So there are some issues around access of information, understanding that you know, your grades from ninth grade on count. You don't get on the ball in the eleventh grade and, and and kind of jump on the bandwagon. You know, what are the components of an application? How do I prepare an essay? Should I go on an interview? Should I visit the campus? Some of those just logistical things that the, that the kids are not really familiar with. But There's also other issues around preparedness You know, do you have the reading skills? Do you have the writing skills? Do you have the study skills and the self-discipline that it's going to take in order to be successful in college? And will you have the courage once you're in college to access all of the support resources that are there? I think a lot of kids, it's their first time being away from home, They have a sense of independence, but sometimes that's a bad thing. You need to reach out when a class is difficult, when you're feeling isolated in a dorm, you know, maybe you're feeling depressed or or just not connected to what's going on on campus. So most colleges do have resources. A lot of students of color have a difficult time accessing those resources.
0: That's a very important point because you can get the kid to college, but then can you get the kid to stay in college?
2: Absolutely. You know, we do a celebration when you graduate from high school, but I'm not really going to celebrate until I have a degree from you. And they go to college knowing that, and they understand that this is just one more step along, o- along the road. So
0: You obviously do celebrate. I've noticed just around the offices here that you post the acceptance letters when kids get into college.
2: It helps to make the goal much more immediate because the longer kids are here, the more likely they are to see the acceptance letters of students that they actually know, um, which is pretty exciting for them. And also, I think it helps to drive home why we're here. We want you to have fun, we want you to learn new things, we want you to socialize, but ultimately we're here to get you into college and we want you to be focused on that.
0: Is this the first time that you took such a thing out there, outside of New York?
2: No. Actually, um, when Merle and I joined the organization back in 2002, we began to kind of incubate this idea of real high-level impact um, service learning programs. And the first year, we did a project um, in the Mississippi Delta so the kids had a chance to learn about the history of the Delta and and the blues and the cotton industry and its, and, uh, its effect on the education and socioeconomic um, status of a lot of African Americans. And I think what that trip to the Delta taught the kids was, you know, poverty means one thing in New York, but you're in Mississippi, you know, in the Delta, poverty... You know, is much more intense, and I, I think it gave them an increased appreciation for the kinds of resources that we in New York are able to afford people. If you know, I think if you want to get on your feet, you know, there are thousands of nonprofit organizations and service organizations that are going to help you to do that. And the kids in Mississippi had like a a storefront um, youth center with one basketball hoop and no books and, and no real opportunities for learning. And then of course last year we did um, a project with a high school in Dakar, Senegal as well. Um, and the kids raised money and they're going to use that money to build wells in a village that we visited in the countryside. So,
0: Merle, do you hear from the kids once they go on to college? they graduate? Do they come back and tell you their stories? Do they keep in contact over those four years?
2: Uh, yes, they
1: absolutely do. Not only are they contacting us to say, hey, I'm still here, don't forget about me, or I'm I'm having a challenge here, or where should I go for this resource or that resource, but they're also um, committing themselves to volunteering with younger students. So every year, our college freshmen come back to speak with our high school seniors, and we have uh, young people in college that regularly attend events when they're in town to celebrate around the holidays, to participate in career fairs if they're local. Um, So they're very, very involved and very committed to um, returning and seeing themselves as a resource to the agency. We really believe to whom much is given, much is expected in return. It's wonderful when when you see a young person take that to heart and actually live that. How do
0: you locate the kids? What kind of outreach do you do?
2: Um, A lot of our outreach happens with local public schools. I see us as the ultimate public school advocate, meaning when we identify those kids in middle school, we're working with those families to get them to more selective public high schools in the city. And so the guidance counselors really see us as an added asset to what they're trying to do for their kids. A lot of guidance counselors are serving hundreds of kids. They can't give the kind of individual attention that these families need. So, for us to kind of take one of their kids and walk that family through the selective high school admissions process. And the you know, the D- Department of Education frequently changes rules and regulations and we really help them to navigate that. Um so the, that's where we get the majority of our students, but we also reach out to other nonprofit organizations that are not offering similar services to say if you have a child who has high potential who just needs that extra push in order to to really reach their goals, um, you know, send them our way. And and we've done really great with partnerships like that.
0: Danielle, Merle, thanks so much for your time.
2: Thank you. And thank you.
3: My name's Owen Rogers. I'm a senior. I'm part of Heath Harlem Education Activities Fund, and we're taking part in their service learning project to get on the bus this summer.
4: My name is Esme Rogers, and I'm also a member of HEAF. It's such a great opportunity. We got to go to Africa last year and see a bunch of people, and then just to see that we're going to do something else again this year. And this time we're not going away that far, but we're going down south, and we're still going to help people out.
0: It's not every day you get a chance to go to Africa. What an amazing experience.
4: Yeah, it was fun.
0: What was the primary purpose of that visit?
4: It was a Harlem to home thing. We're, since we're black youth from Harlem, we all went down there. We went to the Door of No Return, and we got to see how, like, returning back to where our ancestors were taken from and experiencing the African culture and everything. Owen, oh, were you on that trip?
3: Yeah, I attended that trip. I've been part of the service. I mean, this is my third project. Three years ago, I went to uh, Mississippi, we drove down there, and we brought school supplies to the youth of Tallahassee. And the Africa trip was basically the same sort of thing where we went to I guess, the suburbs of Dakar and were able to bring them supplies and just establish a connection that was really valuable with the youth.
0: What do you think you learned from that experience?
4: That's, well, the way that we think of it, there would be so many differences between us. Like, the teenagers there were just like us, had the same issues we have and stuff.
0: What about education, As me and going to school there? Was that different than here?
4: Well, the students that we were with there, they went to a bilingual school where they learned English and they learned French as well. They were trilingual, actually. Some of them knew Wolof also, which was the language of that area in Africa. And so it was just, it seemed like they were a lot smarter than us because apparently they have to do so much more stuff in their education system and so many more tests and stuff. Some of the people there were from America who had moved back to Africa or from Africa, moved to America, and came back and got to view both sides of the education system. And they said that it's so much harder there in Africa and such a more strict curriculum and everything. Oh,
0: and were you surprised by that?
3: It was really amazing that they were able to go back and forth between English and French. And there was, like, an arts component in it where there was one kid that was freestyling in English and French. So not only to understand language, but to have a control over it so much so that you could instantaneously think of words in a meter that rhymed in both languages. It was that was really astonishing. But I think one of the biggest differences we went to like a charter school. Like that in itself wasn't really a complete view of, I guess, their education system. But then when we went out to the suburbs, it was kind of more clear that in New York at least, is more of a like, the status quo, like, you're going to high school, and that's just the way it is. And then there are people there that were, like, 18 and in the fifth grade, and it's just like, okay, so maybe, like, you know, it's not guaranteed or it's not expected of them. It's something that we take for granted, but at the same time, you know, these people were trying to do it. So that was really
0: eye-opening. What about college there? Are any kids thinking about college?
4: One of our last days there, we went to the college in Senegal, in Dakar. And we got to see it's a really big campus, and they have a lot of artifacts in their science museum and whatever. But we also went to a small little village, and to see, like, those people who are 18 in the fifth grade who, well, we had a, we held a wrestling, mat, a wrestling tournament. They were competing for rice and for money for books or something. And then just to see that, like, college probably isn't in their perspective or but there was a really nice college who obviously there were people going to that school and people that we talked to had goals of going to that school.
0: What about here, Owen? Do you think that kids are more concerned about college? From that particular trip, we went to like a really good
3: school that we were in contact with a bunch of the people that were, you know, high achieving people that had the means to go to universities. And there were all there was a good number of them that were planning on coming to the States for school. And then there's a couple that were planning going to like South Africa and I think Kenya, which were like the really big universities in Africa but uh from my perspective, you know I go to college geared schools like ninety nine point seven percent of the student population ends up going to college, so I can't say that I could really compare and contrast because there's so many factors, and it's also so much environmentally dependent and it's about you, but I just feel as though, as a citizen of the United States, and especially as a New York City public school student, it'd be a lot easier for me to go to college if I chose to than it would for them.
0: You go to Bronx Science. Yes. And Esme, you go to LaGuardia.
4: Yeah. It's kind of different there, since it's an art school. A lot of people, even though a majority do go to a college afterwards, some people leave to pursue their, their arts and not go to college. It's not really forced upon as much as a specialized high school like Bronx Science.
0: Tell me about your upbringing and where you're growing up here in New York City.
4: I've always gone to public school throughout my whole life, but I went for elementary school. I always went out of my district. I went to PS9, an advanced program for for youth for elementary school and for middle school I went to Delta. What
0: neighborhood is your district? What neighborhood do you live in?
4: I live in Harlem and I always went to schools in the My elementary school was on 84th Street and my middle school was on 106. And now I go to a high school that's really diverse, which wasn't which my other schools weren't.
0: Did you follow the same path, Owen? I'm
3: older than my sister. I attended Catholic school for uh, first and second grade. My mom felt as though it wasn't challenging me enough, so she took me out of the Catholic school. And my sister, who was going into elementary school, and she put us into the Gifted and Talented program in District 3, and we live in District 5. And I guess we, she felt we'd have more opportunities outside of our district. I can't say that it's true or false or that it's wrong or bad, but we went to District 3, and from there, I can definitely say that the people that I went to, that I live around, like, people that I went to elementary school with were geared towards, like, Wagner and MS54 and Lab, and the people that, you know, I went to Catholic school with were geared towards, I guess, either Catholic schools or really smaller and less competitive junior high schools where it's, like, IS95 or IS44. So I guess we were probably geared on a more competitive track, and from that, it was just, he p- helped us uh, prep for the specialized high school test, and I'm a pretty good test taker, so I ended up getting into Bronx Science, and then I got into a bunch of Catholic schools, but I ultimately decided Bronx Science was probably a little bit easier for me.
0: Sounds like your mom is a clear advocate of education.
4: Yeah, she is. She's always been finding programs for us to do and things on the weekends and trying to get us into everything.
0: What about the other kids in your neighborhood? Do they follow a similar course? In terms of schooling, most of the
3: kids that I live around, they're all going to college, but most of them are going to, like, CUNYs. And they don't really have the desire to leave or to go to, like, a really big school. I don't really care where I go to school as long as, like, I feel that I'll be able to make connections or be able to write off the school's name. So if I I want to put myself in a position where after I graduate I know that I'll be able to have definite means to live instead of having, you know, to finish college and then be like, okay, I have my bachelor's degree, but I can't really do anything with it and I haven't really prepared myself to use it, so in that sense I feel as the I'm probably a bit more capable of taking more out of college, if not capable of you know, just succeeding in college, than uh, my contemporaries that live in my neighborhood.
0: Do you see yourselves as beating the statistics? Because the statistics would say that not many black and Latino young folks here in New York City manage to get to college.
4: I would see that because that's the path that I'm on right now. With Heath and with school, they're always pushing you towards college and bettering yourself in that direction.
3: I see statistics that say that. At the same time, having some place like Heath, which is like, and it's immersing you in, you know, people that are geared towards the same goal as you, it's kind of hard for me to say, I, I agree with that as being like the definitive outlook of youth my age, because everybody I know is going to college, because, you know, we're all in Heath and we're all. Geared, and we're all been told, all right, we're going to good schools. You know, you have to bring in your college acceptances, you need to prepare, you need to figure out your financial aid. So, while I guess statistics would probably say, you know, kids from East Harlem, West Harlem, Washington Heights are less likely to go to school, I feel as though it does help to have a support net that you have in Heath, and it does also help to have, you know, goals that are clearly set so that you know what you can and can't do and what you're willing to do. And some people just aren't meant for college. Even if, like, they're geniuses and they just could go to college, they just would be able to function well. There's plenty of people that I know from Bronx Science that if they just stopped going to school right now, they probably could be millionaires by the time they were 21 because they're just so driven and they're so capable of making good connections that it would not even be a problem at the same time. Because they go to wrong science, they're geared towards you know going to school and getting the credentials, and I'm sure the complete opposite is true where there's people that would just thrive if they had a BA behind them or if they had a master's, and they weren't geared towards going to college, so they're content with high school diplomas or GEDs, and I'm sure they'll be successful, but they're probably not going to accumulate as much wealth as they could have had they gone to college.
0: Let's talk about Get on the Bus, which is a program that aims to encourage other people to go to college. Tell me about that program.
4: Well, in the Get on the Bus program, we're traveling down to Cleveland, Ohio, and we're telling people along the way about the lack of college preparatory programs and how students don't go to college, not because of the lack of financial aid or anything, but because of the lack of college preparatory programs, and just inform them about better ways to get prepared for college and what they can do and what their parents can do and what needs to be done around them.
0: It seems like you already have an advantage because of this program here, so you know that.
4: Yeah, this program has helped me out a lot.
0: Oh, and tell me about the program and your feelings about Get on the Bus. Get on the Bus is just kind of our youth-led
3: initiative to let people all over the United States know about the factors that contribute to these statistics and know about the factors that contribute to people of all races really getting into these colleges and just letting people know about the opportunities that could be afforded to them or not being afforded to them and let them know not to be discouraged that if you have a goal in mind, not everybody does, but if you have a goal in mind, there's more than one way to go about that and just trying to let people know about the truths and the fallacies about the college process, about education, and just really try to give them some sort of interest in their immediate situation when it comes to education and just go out there whether it be, you know, if they hadn't decided to go to college, you know, deciding, all right, this is for me, this isn't for me, or whether it's, you know, voting in the next school board election, or whether it's just going out there and actively trying to participate in their PTA, or just taking the realms in some form, and just being able to give their input into their, their school population and their district, then I think that's, what we're doing, and if we get that done, then it'll be a job well done. The program is set up into two aspects. There's the advocacy aspect, which my sister's a part of, and then there's the performance aspect, which I'm a part of. And the advocacy and the staff have been setting up stops along the way, and we're going to be holding, essentially, I guess, conventions where we stop, and we're going to be having youth groups similar to ours and then just youth and schools all along the way just come in and just, we're going to be talking to them and we're just going to be trying to tell them what we know because it's not more of a lecture thing because, again, it's not about right and wrong. It's just, all right, this is what we've done through our research and this is what we've found, and we're trying to share that with you. So we've all compiled facts, and then we have our own sort of interpretation through the arts of you know, what it means to be going to college, what it means to be a youth that hasn't, that statistics say, you know, are less likely to
4: succeed.
0: Owen, thank you so much. Esme, thank you so much. You're
3: quite welcome.
4: Yeah, you're welcome.
0: My name is Jonathan
5: Bueno, and I am one of the students of Harlem Education Activities Fund, and I'm also in the Get on the Bus program. We want to express uh, what we're trying to say through the form of the arts, from painting to movies to poetry.
0: How strong do you think the arts is when it comes to getting a message out there to young people?
5: I think it's a really strong part because music or poetry is just like everything that teenagers uh, see and hear everywhere they go. So it's something that they're used to.
0: So now you're going to perform for us, something that you're planning to perform on the road?
5: Yes, I will. (laughs) It's called History, and it's a song. My history is history. Let's all live equally. I don't have to fight. My ancestors far from me. I can go to college if I want to. Succeed if I want to, and nothing's gonna stop me from getting where I want to. My history is history. Let's all live equally. I don't have to fight. My ancestors far from me. I can go to college if I want to, succeed if I want to, and nothing's gonna stop me from getting where I want to be. Free. That's the word given to me from birth. But now I understand it clearly. I'm only free to stay in the boundaries, the ones that are set for me. We're limited. Limited, limited, outstandingly The numbers are holding us down So I must expect 39% of statistics on my head It's a form of segregation Causing expectations The numbers that we're facing Is changing our reputations But no, I don't want to live by this math No more addition and division To make us look bad No more averaging in the numbers from the past Because I'm doing my part to change these numbers fast My history is history Let's all live equally I don't have to fight My ancestors fought for me I can go to college if I want to Succeed if I want to and nothing's going to stop me from getting where I want My history is history. Let's all live equally. I don't have to fight. My ancestors far for me. I can go to college if I want to, succeed if I want to, and nothing's going to stop me from getting where I want to be. Completely free, free to rise, free to learn, and free to be me. Success shouldn't be segregated. Prediction, yes, I'm gonna change statistics. No, I was attracted from my mom's, not gonna have it. No, I don't wanna take my future lightly. Your predicting numbers will never define me. Base my life on now, not on my history. I'm gonna make a difference. Don't believe it, watch me. My history is history.
0: Pretty powerful stuff.
5: Thank you. Uh, uh, it took me a while to write, and it came from the heart and from the mind. <laughs>
0: That's no question. What were you thinking about when you put that together?
5: I looked at the statistics that um, that were presented towards us, and that gave me a pretty strong opinion, and it made me want to express what I was thinking at the time.
0: You don't want to be a statistic, no question.
5: No, I don't, I don't at all, and the statistics, I don't want it to be a, f- a factor that's going to affect our lives. I want it to be something that we can be proud to look at.
0: The Harlem Educational Activities Fund is on the road, working to promote college enrollment among black and Latino youth. The group set out on its bus tour Thursday. It held a forum in Philadelphia yesterday and has one scheduled in Cleveland today. Heath will then make its way to Tennessee for reflection and celebration before returning to New York. That's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Borarki. Thanks for listening. The podcast of Cityscape gets support from WFUV's contributing members. Find out more at WFUV.org.